Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I know we all experience that afternoon slump. But sometimes we don't want to have caffeine too late in the day. So this is when I drink Noon Brew Tea. It's so good. It's specifically designed for the afternoon to bust you out of that slump. It has 19 superfoods that help with energy, digestion, focus, and even deep sleep. It does all of this without the coffee jitters. So use the code OUTLIER for 10% off your first order. Head to noonbrew.co and remember, use the code OUTLIER. Welcome to the Outlier Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conlin. Today, I have one of my favorite directors as a guest, Sky Borgman. If you are a true crime documentary fan, you know exactly who Sky is. She's directed films like Abducted in Plain Sight, the Jan Broberg story, which absolutely blew my mind. The Girl in the Picture, Sins of Our Mother. Sins of Our Mother was pretty recent. That was the Lori Vallow story, the Doomsday Mom. And now she has a four-part docuseries out on Max, and that's called The Truth About Jim. And oh boy, is that ish disturbing. It's so disturbing. But before I get into that and my interview with Sky, I first want to discuss the Jennifer Crumbly verdict, which was announced last week. And and if you're not familiar, Jennifer Crumbly was the first parent charged with involuntary manslaughter on behalf of her son, who was a school shooter in Michigan, and her son murdered four people. It's so sad. And this is just something that's very new, very unprecedented in the United States to charge a parent. So she was charged with four 
four counts of involuntary manslaughter and found guilty on all four counts. Her husband, James, is also facing similar charges, and his trial is set to begin in March, in a month. And her son, or their son, Ethan Crumbly, who was 15 years old at the time of the shooting, has already been sentenced to life without parole. And so some of you who are unfamiliar with this case might be thinking, well, what the hell? Parents can't control what their kids do? Well, I want to read you an op-ed that I wrote about this case for Red Liberty Media that will hopefully shed some light on what exactly happened and why this case is different. Quote, culture exposed. Should parents be held liable for their murderous child? In the case of Jennifer Crumbly, the mother of Michigan school shooter Ethan Crumbly, the answer is yes. You may be thinking, how can we as parents be held responsible for a heinous act of violence committed by our teenager? Well, this is an exceptionally unusual situation. On February 6th, 2024, Jennifer Crumbly was found guilty on four counts of involuntary manslaughter for her part in her son's deadly 2021 attack on his fellow students at Oxford High School in Michigan. Madison Baldwin, 17, Tate Meyer, 16, Justin Schilling, 17, and Hannah St. Juliana, 14, were all tragically taken too soon at the hands of their classmate, then 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly. In December of 2023, Ethan was sentenced to life without parole for the brutal murder of his peers, some shot execution style, more than once. Ethan is the first minor to receive an original sentence of life without the possibility of parole after a 2012 U.S. Supreme Court ruling found that sentencing a child to life in prison without parole could be considered, quote-unquote, excessive. Not for Ethan Crumbly, though. He self-admittedly wanted to go down as the biggest school shooter in history, turning the happy lives of so many families into a hell on earth. But could this have been prevented? No one can ever say for certain, but we truly believe that Ethan Crumbly could have been stopped. So many students, parents, and lawmakers are tired of feeling like they are getting nowhere when it comes to discussing gun laws. So how did Ethan Crumbly gain access to a gun even after he told his parents he needed mental help? Yes, Ethan Crumbly admitted to his parents he was unwell. In case you weren't aware or familiar with this unspeakable story, he was a lonely teen boy who had a sick fascination with guns. Text messages showed that months prior to the Oxford rampage, Ethan texted his mother that he was experiencing paranoia and thought he was seeing a demon in his house throwing objects at him. He thought he was hallucinating. Jennifer Crumbly never texted her son back that day, even after he sent one more text begging his mother for a response. It was later revealed that she was quote-unquote too busy having an extramarital affair, as was her husband James, whose trial begins in March of 2012. Ethan told a friend he was having a mental breakdown, but told his friend that his father told him to suck it up while his mother just chuckled at him. 
The school administration found alarming gun drawings with the freeze, the thoughts won't stop, help me. And these drawings were done by Ethan, and those words were written by Ethan. And the school immediately called in Jennifer and James Crumbly and told them they need to take their son out of school ASAP and get him help or counseling, but this is not okay. And unfortunately, Jennifer and James didn't do anything. And Ethan remained in school until November 30th, 2021, when he carried out the unthinkable. And sadly, it was concluded that a gun was given to Ethan by his parents four days before the shooting occurred. They knew he was troubled. They knew he was obsessed with guns. The school begged them to get help for their son, and their own son even essentially begged them for help. So not only did they knowingly provide a gun to their unstable son, they carelessly ignored everybody's cries. There's no doubt in my mind that these parents should also be held liable. And Judge Michael Rorden, he noted that this case is different. It was very clear that Ethan Crumbly was struggling with mental illness and his parents appeared to be too selfish and too busy with their own lives to bother. And instead, they gave him a gun. Judge Michael Riordan noted that this case is different. It was very clear Ethan Crumbly was struggling with mental illness and his parents appeared to be too selfish and busy with their own lives to bother with him. And instead, they just gave him a gun. So Judge Riordan said this, our legal system does not, nor should it, criminally punish people for subpar, odd, or eccentric parenting or require that children be deprived of any instrumentality that otherwise is legal to possess and use. Moreover, I suspect that parents do not reasonably assume, as a matter of course, that their children will commit violent crimes. However, before us is the unusual case. Ethan Crumbly was extraordinarily troubled, yet the defendants nonetheless provided him with a handgun, and despite having discreet, disturbing evidence that Ethan Crumbly contemplated harming others, they did nothing when confronted with that evidence. And Judge Riordan stated this via CNN. So parents everywhere should heed with caution. Listen to your children. Don't ignore their cries for help. Don't purchase a gun for your 15-year-old, period. But especially children who claim to have mental breakdowns, hallucinations, and they see demons. And students and teens, if you see someone who appears to be lonely at school, appears to be troubled, reach out to them. Don't make fun of them. Just let them know that they're not alone and that you're there for them. Four precious lives may have been saved if Jennifer and James Crumbly acted responsibly. Jennifer Crumbly's trial was said to be an unprecedented and landmark trial since a parent has never been criminally charged with anything in connection to their child committing a school shooting. Jennifer Crumbly faces up to 15 years per count in prison, end quote. 
So I actually don't think parents should be held responsible for what their minors do on all accounts. I think every case is different. But for this case, I think they really got it right. I think James and Jennifer Crumbly really, really just failed everybody. Okay, let's pivot uh, back to the truth about Jim. And oh my gosh, you guys, you have to see this. So a woman named Sierra Barter, she had this hunch that her grandfather, a so-called respected teacher in the San Francisco Bay Area when he was alive, he's he's now dead, um, was a very, very bad man. And he was. He was a disgusting serial rapist who raped his own daughters, his stepdaughters, and and others. It's just, it's horrible. But Sierra, she had this hunch that maybe, just maybe, he was more than that. And that he was responsible for murders that had never been solved, like the Santa Rosa hitchhiker murders, or another uh, very large serial killer. She thought possibly he could be the Zodiac killer because the Zodiac killer was never found. So, Watching this documentary or docuseries, it's just so odd what this guy, Jim Mordecai, was able to do without raising any red flags. I mean, I know that everybody can say, oh, well, times were different in the 70s, yada, yada. But like he was a teacher and he had his class castrate pigs, okay? I talk about this with Skye and I'm like, yeah, we we dissected cats, which I thought was super weird. She dissected frogs. But can you imagine telling your parents you castrated a pig? That's just so sick. Um, and he used to rate uh, Jim Mordecai. He taught Sierra's mom, uh, Shannon, who obviously Shannon, uh, her mom, Sierra's grandma, was dating Jim. He used to rate Shannon's ass in class. Like it it was just awful. He'd say, okay, Shannon, stand up. Everyone's going to rate your behind. I mean, it's, it's messed up, but Sierra embarks on an incredible journey that just includes meetings with private investigators and law enforcements and interviews with extended family members as she begins to put together just a horrifying timeline and an imagery of this man that her grandfather was or step grandfather to be exact. So um, I do want to take this quote uh, from Sky that I found when she did an interview with the Today Show, and we discussed this in our interview, but I just think it's important because all too often I find that people forget why we talk about crime, why these true crime stories uh, are important to tell. And and me personally, I think it it gives a voice to the voiceless, to those that are not here anymore. It honors their legacy. You could figure out a cold case to give families of of these victims peace. And so these stories, they shouldn't be entertainment. They, they, you know, they should really, really help people. So Sky said this, Quote, I truly believe that the shows I make, in one sense or another, are somewhat therapeutic or cathartic for people. I believe these stories make a difference to the families. I also feel like these stories make a difference to the audience and that they can learn something from it or they can see a bit of themselves possibly in these stories or just have a little bit more compassion. It's having the sense that there is some good that can come out of sharing these stories with the participants as well as the audience that definitely helps me continue, end quote. 
Yeah, because I can imagine Sky covering this content constantly must really weigh on her. But okay, I'm going to shut up now. And without further ado, here is my interview with Queen Sky Borgman. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, before I get started, I wanted to take a minute to tell you all about one of my other favorite true crime podcasts, and that's called True Crimecast, and it's hosted by these great guys, Jamie and John, and you know, everyone covers big stories on their true crime podcast, the big stories that everybody wants to hear about, but these guys, they specialize in small town cases, cases that you've most likely never heard of, so if you're listening to True Crimecast, You'll hear them give the details of each case and their analysis of whether or not justice has been served. You can find over six years worth of weekly true crime cast content wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Okay, let's get on with Outlier. Okay, Sky, I am so thrilled to talk to you. I am such a big fan. So excuse me while I fangirl out, really. Oh, no, no. Thank you. That's so kind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I want to start off by saying my, my two favorites of, of your work are the girl in the picture. And of course, abducted in plain sight. Um, I was very moved by both of these, but specifically the girl in the window, because I just have so much respect for what you do for victims. Um, and I think that's super important. And if you just want to uh, elaborate on that, I would love that. Look, it's really important to me um, to to have the work that I do be very victim forward, um, survivor forward, um, female forward. I mean, all of those things are are incredibly important to me. And I think, you know, throughout the the history of of doing these true crime programs, it's oftentimes easy to to fall into the trap of of really sort of glamorizing the perpetrator. And so, while I recognize that sometimes crimes need to be put out there in order to know what people have survived through. It is something that I'm very conscientious about to, to really have the victims be, be front and center and to, to talk about them in a way that makes them whole human beings, whole people, and not just, 
not just a dead girl or not just an abused one. Yes, no, absolutely. And that's, that's something that you unfortunately don't see a lot. I think, like you said, people forget why, um, most of us are so interested in this because man, if it's me, I would hope someone like you would pick up my story and cover it and honor me. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it, it's largely women who are the victims. I mean, not saying that there aren't men who are victims, but, um, but women are a bigger, a bigger target range for, for perpetrators. So, um, yeah, it is, it, it just is something that I think has been forgotten in a lot of these shows. We're getting better. Look, I mean, even looking at the programming that's happened in the last few years, I mean, there are a lot of filmmakers who are coming forward and, and really putting, putting survivors forward. And so that makes me really happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now let's just get to the truth about Jim. This is so interesting. And obviously when I see that your name is attached to something, I'm like, this is going to be bonkers. I'm, I'm like ready for it. I'm bracing myself. And it's really interesting sky because you Google Jim Mordecai and you're like, he doesn't really exist. There's nothing about him. So how did you first get connected to Sierra? I'm, I'm racking my brain about this. I'm like, how did you guys even meet to discuss this? It was really, it happened through Imagine. I mean, she, Sierra had taken her story um, and was kind of grappling with it a little bit, going, do I believe this? Do I not believe this? What's there? And I think it was really her motivation to figure out if this, there was something to the fact that she kind of felt, her mother kind of felt, her grandmother kind of felt that her step-grandfather could have been a killer. They all had really terrible experiences with him. And so I think it was really her intention to try to investigate a little bit, to try to find out a little bit more whether or not this was a possibility. And so she took her story to Imagine and Imagine did a little bit of research and they were like, you know, let's call Sky. And so they called me and we all started looking at this and and figuring out, figuring out what, what Sierra's job was to do in this what she wanted to get out of this and Mm -hmm. and if and if there was a show there and and what really attracted me so much was this I feel like these are every women you know out there like there's somebody awful in their life and they think that there could have been something more but they aren't really sure nor do they really have like private investigator licenses or that many relationships with law enforcement. And so they don't really know what to do. And I think what Sierra did and what her whole family did is, is pretty incredible. And just talking about it on such a public forum is, is probably one of the bravest things I could think of doing. I agree. And I think a lot of these discussions and, you know, I don't know uh, the ins and outs of some of their lives. Right. But like Jim's daughter's, going on camera and talking about this, I mean, that could be considered like a form of therapy. Um, if I mean, I'm, I'm sure they've had therapy again. I don't know. But like you said, it's incredibly brave to do that. And I watched a documentary. Um, I don't know if you had heard of this one. It's like great, great photo, lovely life where she basically, yeah, like she, her grandfather was a serial pedophile and her mom and her sister finally come to terms and speak to each other about it on camera. And you're watching this and you're like, oh my gosh, how did no one talk about this when it was happening? This is heartbreaking. It's so hard. I mean, I think I think for people, audiences to really understand how incredibly difficult it is to, to talk about it amongst your family, much less on sort of this greater scale of like having a camera kind of put in front of you multiple times and having people ask you, like me, having me ask you really hard questions. And it is... 
it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy at all. And I think, look, going through these, these documentary processes of making these shows, it, it is not therapy. There is nothing, you know, about it that is sort of classical therapy, but I think it can be therapeutic. I think it is good because it does, it does encourage people to talk to each other. It encourages questions coming from other people. And, and we talk about things a lot when we're doing these shows and we repeat things a lot and we, mm. and we will sort of force to talk to other people about it. And so in that regard, I think it can be a terrible, awful experience, but it can also be something that is very healing. Yeah. It, it, and it, it can, I hate to even use this word, but it, it could inspire people to come forward with their own stories and, and share those. Yeah. To help. I others. hope, I really hope it does. And, and to also know that, that, talking about it can take so many different forms. It can be talking about one single person about something that's happened to you, or it can be talking to, you know, hundreds or thousands of people like Sierra and the rest of her family are doing. So it, it can take all sorts of different forms, but I think the really important thing is, is to talk about it, to find someone you trust and talk about it and to speak about it and talk about it in a way that makes you feel comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is something that everybody always says, and I I guess like it, it makes sense, but you kind of get sick of hearing about it. It's like, Oh, we just didn't do that back then. That just wasn't, you know, it was a sign of the times. Nobody talked about the abuse, the sexual abuse by their father. No one wanted to. I mean, the things that you hear that this savage animal did to his own family, excuse my language. It's so fucking disturbing. I was like, I mean, and, and to the school, I mean, what was it like the castration of pigs? I was like, I'm sorry, the school board was like totally fine with that. Like that doesn't work. I don't know. That was beyond. It is crazy because it is, you know, I mean, we can think back to, to you know, growing up as kids. And, and certainly there are things that we talked about that we didn't talk about, um, experiences that that we may have done. I don't, I've never castrated a pig, but maybe in an agricultural environment, maybe that's a possibility. But a, we a, dissected cats, Sky. Okay, I, I don't know. I thought frogs. Was, I didn't do okay, cats, whatever. but we, we did frogs. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still gross, but no, not a castration. My God, I know. Yeah, I terrible, I know. terrible. And I think it's easy, right? I think it's sort of easy for people to kind of go, "Oh, well, we didn't do it in that day and age." But I'm like, it's also maybe a little bit of an excuse. I mean, look at look at Shannon. Look at you know Sierra's grandmother. Look at these women who maybe didn't talk about it then, but who are talking about it now and who are, who are living through these generations and, and also living through the current generation and, and making things different and making things better. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I did want to ask you a little bit, just some detail, um, you know, because she had thought, uh, Sierra had thought that possibly Jim could have been the Zodiac killer, or he could have been responsible for the Santa Rosa, um, hitchhiker murders. I mean, I, Personally, when I first heard that and I'm watching his MO to me, just watching before you even had the expert on, I was like, I don't know. I, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't see it. I don't think so. I'm curious. She spoke to uh, Brian. What was his name? Um, Mike Butterfield. Sorry, Mike Butterfield. But that was it. She didn't get any other opinions, right? On whether or not they thought that he was, okay. She talked, yeah. So she talked to Mike Butterfield on Mm -hmm. camera. She'd done a lot of research and looked into Zodiac. And I think, you know, I think more than anything, Sierra's really open to possibilities and she's open to kind of going, okay, look, this is the area. They had certain things in common. Mm. Does this 
do these two people and these two circumstances, do they fit together? And I think throughout the course, the course of filming and the course of Sierra sort of really looking into this, you know, she, she kind of got to the point where she's like, maybe, maybe it doesn't fit so well with Zodiac, but he certainly does fit a little bit more with the Santa Rosa. A little more. Did you insert your opinion at all? Or did you just like, let it go? You're like, it's on you, whatever you think. Or were you like, I don't know about that. We talked about stuff, you know, and it was always like, do you think this is possible? Do you think that's possible? Um, But it really was more Sierra sort of looking, looking for possibilities. And then certainly when she got to a point where she's like, feel like I've done all that I can do. I don't, I don't know law enforcement. I don't have the resources to sort of follow this. Now I want to take it. I want to take it further. And I want to see if, if anybody who knows who the Santa Rosa hitchhiker murderer is can, can find any, any connections there. Yeah, not not to get too much into detail, I was sort of surprised to hear that too because it does make more sense, but nobody really talked about, like he, uh, most of those victims were strangled, I believe. And he it, he was big and I'm going to cut your throat. Like I'm going to cut with a knife, whatever. So, and then also during these, the rapes um, that he committed that these women spoke about, there wasn't a lot of like them talking about, you know, go, out being out cold, I guess. I don't know. So that's where I was like, hmm. That's what got me a little bit. Um, I don't know if you felt the same way. There are definitely, look, there are definitely some things that Jim did that, that like the hog tying, he hog tied yes. his kids. And so there were those kind of connections. There are some things that are connected. There are some things that maybe aren't so connected, um, but there definitely are moments and places that Jim went and proximities that I think are, are, are pretty good connective tissue, at least in Sierra's mind where she thinks that, that's something they have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I, I commend you for um, making films like this and just tackling this, this this tough subject matter and this uncomfortableness. And I think it helps people more than you realize. I, I think that, um, it, not to be dark, but I think that it, it makes us kind of think about, you know, maybe you didn't have the best life, but you don't have to be forgotten because down the road, somebody will find your story and somebody will shine a light on it. You know, um, I hope this sounds crazy. I, I would love for you to cover some of the Israel key stuff about oh. his uns- so many unsolved. Like I always think he's responsible for Lauren Spearer and like all these things I get so bothered. And I'm like, I think Sky Borgman should do that because she could really explore these connections so well. Um, but yeah, that's just yeah. That's a fascinating. Israel Keys is a, a, a very, a very layered person for sure. Yeah, and all of the they never solved like half of these cases, or mainly yeah. all of these cases. That's why you're like, oh my god, these poor families. I can't even <laughs> think about it. Um, yeah. Thank you again. And the truth about Jim, it premieres this Thursday, February fourth, fifteenth. Excuse me. Um, on Max, streaming on Max. So I hope um you will all burn through it just like I did. <laughs> oh, thank you. Of course. Thanks for joining the Outlier, Sky. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course. Okay, that was Sky Borgman. I love her. I want to meet her in person. I want to work with her. But the truth about Jim is now available on Max. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Outlier podcast. Please tell your friends and write a review. I know a lot of you are listening. I can see all the downloads. So please just do me a favor and write a review and spread the word. And again, I will plug my other investigative podcast, Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon. Go ahead and give that a listen as well. I'm Lauren Conlin, and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.
Thank you.